Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. The upcoming Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, stars British actor Naomi Aki as the legendary singer, and her casting has sparked a debate on social media about whether Black British actors should play Black American roles. So let's get down to business. The Business of Being Black today is British Actors. Please welcome producer and casting director Tracy Twinkie Bird. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Twinkie. Hi. Hey. Actor, actor and producer Stephen Littles is with us. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Great. Actress and filmmaker Jamie Burton Orr is with us as well. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Tammy. And writer and comedian E.L. Smith is here to talk about it with us. What's going on, E.L.? What is going on, Tammy? I'm here to do it. So I always ask, because this is the business of being Black, so why should Black people care? Why should Black people care if British actors are getting roles in Hollywood? E.L., let's start with you. Uh, well, because we came so long ago from like, trying to like get in that foot in the door, you know, and then when they started booking actors, they only booked like five Black actors, right? Will Smith, Samuel Jackson, uh, Morgan Freeman, and just that's all, and like sometimes Larry Fish, like Lauren Fishburne, right? So now they, they skipped over brothers like Tate Diggs, Morris Chestnut, and now that they're looking more into diversity and stuff like this, now they want to go to like England. Like they don't make movies in England that they can do over there. Like, and then you, it's always a shock too when you find out someone's from England too. Like, us a couple of people, they talk so like they, they play the movie role so well. And then when they do an interview, you'll be like, wait a minute, this guy. It's not even from America. So I, I think they should first, like, give, like, the jobs to, like, the people who actually put in the work to, like, open the doors. Well, I hear you say they play the role so well, which leads me to saying then perhaps they deserve the space and the job. But we're not going to talk about it right now. I'm still on the question number one. Why should Black people care, Jamie? Uh to put it quite simply, we don't want to do what our oppressors have done. We want to get into the details of our blackness. Um, you know, we are very specific individuals and we're very interesting individuals and we come from very different places. So let's let's find out and, and showcase that, you know, I'm from Flint. I'm not from Detroit. It's a difference. Mm, interesting point. Twinkie, why should black people care if British actors get roles in, in America? We should care if they are doing an amazing job, if an amazing job is being done. That's what we should care about. We should care that they are doing the research. We should care that they are paying homage. We should care that they understand and know the history, the background and the culture. Mm. We should care about that part. Stephen, why should Black people care? We should actually care about anything that deals with our culture, whether it's British actors, um, you know, portraying our culture. We just need to make sure that it's done correctly and that it's also in the forefront. We need to make sure that projects are continually coming out and that we don't get lost. You know, back in the day, that when, like when we were playing servants and slaves, even though we still have slave films, but they are also different varieties. So we need to care that we are still being seen and in a positive light regardless of what type of Black person is playing it. All right, so let's get down to the real question at hand. Should British actors uh, play African-American roles? Should they, Jamie? Well, you know, I'll start and just answer the question and say um, it depends. I lean into the no, and the reason I lean into the no is because we're talking about Hollywood. We're not talking about art for art's sake. If we were, that's a different conversation. 
But when we talk about Hollywood, you introduce commercialism, you introduce uh, agenda, dare I say the word. And so, you know, if I want to see, we started with the Whitney Houston film, if I want to see Whitney uh, and I'm, and the goal is authenticity, if that is the goal, and the goal is to bring up the, the iconic nature of who she is and her, her essence, uh, you know, I want to see somebody who can bring that. And yes, you can be an, a great actor and play any role, but will you have the nuance? Will it translate? You know, there's Whitney who sang at the, the national anthem and there's Whitney who said crack is whack. So, and we understand in America, all of those complexities and it's beautiful to be able to find somebody to embody and portray that in a non-stereotypical way. You know, yeah. so that's my. I look. I was thinking in my head. There's the Whitney that said, "Hail to the now, Bobby Brown." <laughs> that that's Whitney. right. And then there's that. And then there's the national anthem, Whitney. There are two different Whitneys in D, right. and it will be interesting to see uh, how she covers that. Stephen, yes, uh, is it a yes or a no? Should British actors play African American roles? I think that they should, as long as they're not being booked because they're British. Like if they, I feel that as an actor, whoever does the best job in the audition should book the job. But, but Stephen, let me ask you this. How do we know what a casting director or producer's intent is? How would we know if they were or were not hired specifically because they're Br British? Well, we won't know, but hopefully the casting directors are you know, um, you know, are authentic in their casting and they're making sure that it is the best performer booking it. So like talking about like the Whitney Houston movie, I know when I saw that actress, I was disappointed, but it wasn't because she was British. She just looks nothing like Whitney. You know what she looks like to me? She looks like Brandy. That's right. Yeah. She looks I agree. exactly yeah. like Brandy. I was like, is Brandy playing Whitney Houston? <laughs> what is going on here? What is going on here? Twinkie, what's yes. up? Should these British actors be playing African-American roles? You cast tons of films. I have. I have. And I actually cast Carmen Jogo in the in that lead role in Sparkle. So, uh, and she was a British actress playing sister. So I say yes. I say yes when, of course, they are very interested in the role. They do an amazing job. They have great accent and they understand the nuance. I am all for yes. Yes, they should. And I'm authentic when I'm casting. And, and I can say that in the room, I'm authentic. And as a producer, same thing. Now, sometimes you don't have the last say. Sometimes when you're working with a studio or a network, you don't have the final say. So even if you're authentic and you bring two people to the table, sometimes they choose someone else for whatever reason. So we need to be clear on why they're being chosen. But I say, yes, I'm all for it. Let's go. Let's do this. E.L., your thoughts. Should they be I don't know. I don't know. Um, you just said she looked like Brandy, right? Yeah. So why can't we get Brandy to play it? If that's what I'm saying, like Ooh. it's a lot of it's a lot of actresses that's here, and I just feel like Hollywood almost looks to something that works one time, and then they think it's exotic, or they want to keep doing that formula. Like when Eddie Murphy came out at 22 doing Raw, all of a sudden everybody had to be Eddie Murphy, everybody had to curse and all do all this type of stuff. So they always look at us like into one like pigeonhole. And now that, you know, there's a lot of great British actors out there. I'm not going to knock that, but it's so much more actors that's here too as well. So I just feel like at least give the people who have been putting in the work here an opportunity to, to step up to the plate and do what they can. And then at the end of the day, pick the best person. Yeah. Are you thinking that they didn't give African-American actresses the opportunity? Sorry, Tammy, but I just had to jump in. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I, I mean, for instance, like I remember seeing what, like Tate Dids, like Morris Chestnut, those type of actors, and they never really got movie roles. I mean, I don't know why, but it seems like Hollywood always gave like the- They never they got talk. movie roles? They hey, wait, how old are you? They, they, they got well, means... roles, but it's in the same breath. Like they always like seem to like pick like the same top five, the same black actors every time for every movie role. Like it was always Samuel Jackson, right? Or Morgan I... Freeman. So, I El, I do want to ask, do you think that they brought in uh, 
African Americans for this Whitney Houston role? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I I gotta say something here. So there's this may be exposing too much, but there's SAG. I'm a member of SAG. After just legally, they have to audition people. However, they may already have the person selected. So if in this case, if Casey Lemons, who I love, is a is a black American director, she was brought in after Naomi is cast. She's got to navigate. Twinkie mentioned it earlier that sometimes you don't have the last say. And that's the question. It keeps happening. It's a little bit odd to me. You know, it's odd when you've got uh, Fred Hampton being played by Daniel Kaluuya, when you've got David Oyelowo playing Martin Luther King. When it, 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 I mean, right. so- but we also had Jeffrey Wright playing Martin Luther King. And we've had, I mean, you know how many times Martin Luther King has been portrayed? We've right. had David, um, what is what is the brother's oh. name? Yes, Paul Winfield play Martin Luther King. Yeah, but we're talking about with the money, with the with now, where the money is actually being allotted. All those prior films, the money was not being allotted. You know, now that we're in, now the money is coming. And so when that opportunity presents itself, you have an economic component there that those actors are not benefiting from. Did you feel that David Oello did not do a good job as Martin Luther King? I feel like Marquise Harris would have done a better job. Oh, He's a I black American actor. And I he, love Marquise. I'm just saying. I'm just, you're asking me. So, so, but I can say this from a casting standpoint, and I love Marquise. He is nowhere near as uh, the size and height of Martin. So if you're playing with, for me, if right. you're playing with how big the man was, along with how small he, he was at the same time, then you're David Oyelowo. But then also too, David Oyelowo may have brought a cachet that they were looking for, for that particular role. But you also brought Common into the space. You brought Tessa Thompson into the space. You brought um, uh, so Coleman. That thought, Twinkie, I want to come back because I want to ask, okay. are British actors trained better than American actors, uh, being African-American actors. I always find it interesting uh, that you go away to train and do all this great, grand, wonderful training only to play a hood dude from Compton. Okay, we'll talk more about it on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack next. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and the Business of Being Black today are British actors should they play African-American roles? Now, one of the reasons why British actors get so much work uh, is because some people say they're trained more and better formally than African-American actors. Now, obviously there's some things to that, but how do you feel about their training? Uh, Twinkie, you're big on training, you're big on research. I am. I'm huge on training, huge on research, and training is incredibly important. And yes, that could very well be the case. And at times, for sure, first they're training, theater training, and then they're also training for dialect. And so that's, you know, that's two different, two different things coming together. And in this we have taken a lot of things out of our schools, the public school system. A lot of things have been taken out of our schools, music and art as well. So it's a challenge. You really have to work hard at training in this country. And well, from what I'm talking about, yes. I'm sorry. One thing about this country is yes. because I have been trained, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a master's of fine arts in theater. But w- when it came to dialect, mm-hmm. all of the white people at my uh, uh, grad in my grad at my grad school, all of the white people were taught Uh, British dialect. The Black people were taught Jamaican dialect. Right. So then it becomes, can a Black person play a British actor? Absolutely. Can only British actors play Black actors? I say we go. I say we go and do. I say we go and do. We have Black people playing British. We have Black people playing Nigerian. Look at Netflix Nigeria. We have Black people playing South African. So it is time for us to get our work visas and get our work on. So I have also to teach the school systems uh, that we can play everything and that we should be trained 
in, in different dialects. Absolutely. But Absolutely. it only comes at a certain level. So we're talking about a BFA and an MFA level when when high school, uh, it should be in high school. It, we should be learning theater in high school without having to go outside of high school and learning at a theater company. Jamie? So, yes, I want to speak to that. So I have gone. So I used to think about that. Like, why do they get, what do they know that we don't? So I was enrolled and accepted at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, the top school, in most people's opinion, for Shakespeare in the summer of 2004. And I had, you know, many of the, the teachers that some of these actors have had um, during that time. Now, it wasn't a three-year conservatory, but it was, it was longer than, you know, my Howard University comrades, Chad Bozeman, rest his soul, he went over. My program was longer. And so my opinion is this, um, in England and in, in specifically in London, there's a greater respect for acting in general. You yeah. see more theater signs. Great point. Great point. Right, yeah. you see more, thank you, that you see more theater signs in the tube, which is their subway, than you do movie posters. So in that regard, overall, their system, in, look at their music culture as well. They know more about hip hop than some people here. Here's the deal though. When I compare that to MFA programs like the one you were in, Tammy, I wasn't in yours, but my peers and the ones I've been in, it's no greater training. It's not, it's a, it's a perception. I mean, there's people here that put in so much work. It's opportunity. Like I'm with Sam Jackson, the BBC isn't giving out jobs to American black actors, not yet anyway. Uh, and that's a lot of the reason they're not even to the British black actors, which is why they come here. So they should understand our sentiment. If we feel, okay, now we're not getting those opportunities. What do we do? Do we have a valid concern? And I say, yes. Uh, E.L., what impact has African-American culture um, had on Black Brits, specifically? Uh, I think our culture has had an uh, impact on everybody around the world. Just everything, every every music genre came from, like, almost us. Like, we had jazz, uh, we had rock and roll, we had hip-hop, and they, they, they take that stuff and they absorb it, and then sometimes they come back and they do it better than us. But I think us... In America, we have just had a huge impact, and they they see people as far as movies too, like like Will Smith. Um, you know, he's rapping, and he's also a number one actor too as well. And they see that in America almost, and I get this from a lot of like like people from different countries, like the Caribbean and things like that. They see like America, as long as you come here and you just put in the work, anything can happen. And I I think that's what they they see from us though. Mm -hmm. um, you know. I just wanted to say that I think that the British actors and actually people from uh, the Black people from other countries, when they come to America, they have more respect for what the American dream is. And they actually um, work a little bit harder because when you're born in America, just say in everyday life, uh, people who are born in America, uh, the majority don't um, try to achieve as much as people who haven't had the benefit of growing here. So when they come to America, they try to get the best that they can because they came from something much worse. No. So appreciate what's I'm so sorry. I, 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 oh, can, I just want to jump in real quick. We're talking about a specific group, though. If we're talking about Black American actors, I can name 50 off time. I mean, it's 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 another one right here. Tammy Mack. This, I mean, look, people here put in so much work and are dedicated and focused. So in that regard, if we're talking about actors to actors, I totally disagree. And coming from worse, have you been? Well, you have been, but some people have not been to the ghettos and the hoods in our cities. Well, I'm saying because you're 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 from here, aren't yes. you? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying, and I see I could tell that I just knew that, right? It's something we just know about one another, and it's not. And I'm saying that I come from Flint. You know, we're the water crisis city. You know, we have a lot of of things going on in our city. We're overcoming, and we and we are overcoming. So I'm not saying it in that regard. You know, my my apologies if it came off that way. I'm saying it because we intrinsically know. You know, we intrinsically know our people. If it's not us, it's our cousin. 
If it's not our cousin, it's our best friend. It's, it's less than six degrees in terms of understanding these different communal aspects that we come from. It's not worse. Yeah, um, I think we look at America as this, uh, this, this nation of commerce that's built on commerce and that everyone is, is well off and is doing well in America. But when we talk about, like Jamie said, when we talk about Flint, we're talking about America with no water, with that, that, that just to this day blows my mind. So if we're talking about people coming from these, like actors coming from these spaces where, uh, you know, they didn't have much, well, Jamie is, lives in a place that doesn't even have water right here in America. So I think it's a little unfair today, knowing what we know, to compare the level of poverty or poverish uh, uh, things that the nations have, because America is borderline third world damn near. On stage, oh, oh, we start talking about some stuff. Say that. Yeah. That's, that's what I was talking about, uh -huh. I was talking about earlier, because you got Flint, Jackson. There's a there's a lot of places that are dealing with Memphis. There's a lot of places dealing with water issues right now. Yeah, and then you look at California and you see the homelessness. Yeah. I uh -huh. mean, come on. We, like, we, we have to stop playing greater than thou because we've got a lot of work to do here in America. As much as I love the country and would never move out of it, I can damn sure say what we need work with. I Amen. agree. But I do feel like we need to lock arms together. So if you're making projects there, Michaela Cole, then you need to be hiring us. And while, while we're making projects here, so we need to be locking arms. I don't think we need to be separating and getting into arguments back and forth about who should and who shouldn't, although that's the discussion today. I honestly feel like it's a lock arms, let's create situation. Mm. Yeah, you want to say something? Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just, it's just funny, like what you were saying, like we build a foundation to where people feel now feel comfortable. Here oh. Hold that thought, Stephen. Hold that thought. Go ahead, EL. We, we build a foundation where people now feel comfortable coming here and getting these opportunities because we're the groundwork and making these opportunities. Now people feel comfortable to come here and get these acting jobs because in the 70s and 80s and in the 90s, you, you know what type of acting jobs they gave black people. It was always thug number one or jive turkey number two you know those type of things but now that we we created we opened these doors because of the things that we've been through and the things that we we did and the things that you know we had to fix here in america so, so good point el i want to hear um about those struggles the struggle for black representation in film and television like is this a way for hollywood to get past not hiring black actors but hiring black actors? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Excellent question. And you got to ask, what, what is that about? You know, and that's not, I mean, it's in Hollywood, it's in education, it's in the job field. Even as a filmmaker, there's all these programs now. And when I look at who's chosen in the end, the black representation that's selected, it's not black Americans. So I have to ask myself, what is going on? It's one thing if it's an isolated situation. For example, Idris Elba in The Wire, okay? We all, I don't think anyone disputes that he should have been in The Wire, that he earned it, he killed it. But guess what? Even though he says from his standpoint that black is black and this is a ridiculous argument, I beg to differ. Idris Elba soaked himself in black America. He was hanging out in New York City and Atlanta. He, you, I went and saw him DJ at the Savoy. So he, he's gotten deep into the research, the nuance, and it's a part of his belief system. And that nuance comes through, in my opinion, when he's doing the work. That's not everybody. Yeah, he used to date K. Michelle. There you go. I don't want to say that. <laughs> and and as an artist, go. isn't that the job? That is the job as an artist. But he was doing it as a person. Yes. That's different. And I think that, you you know, you've got people, Cynthia Revo has said things, David Oyelowo, that imply that we didn't, we, you know, he knows more about Martin Luther King than Black people in America. You might know in a in a literal sense, but yeah. you don't know. Right. And, it, and, know, I, and that's in my fr a friend of mine, Chris Rutledge. Hold that thought, Jamie. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on Business of Being Black. Back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today are British actors. Please welcome producer and casting director Tracy Twinkie Bird. Hi, Twinkie. Hey. Actor and producer Stephen Littles is with us. Actor
actress and filmmaker Jamie Burton Orr is with us, and writer and comedian E.L. Smith with us today to talk about British actors. Now, though African-American films have proven to be lucrative, why are there still limited opportunities for black actors? Uh, Stephen. Well, um, I think one of the reasons is because once someone has found success in a project, the directors go and look for them. They, it seems like producers and directors seem to look for the people that they see in front of them. And so that way you keep seeing the same people over and over. Okay. I don't, I, you know, I kind of don't know that that applies today with all of these platforms that we've had. I have seen more black filmmakers, directors, and writers uh, than I have ever seen in my, or my mama's, especially in my mama's uh, day. I mean, just the, I don't know if y'all uh, had a look at Christmas, but just the black Christmas movies right. that was out this year. I was yes. like, Lord, it's, it was like 20 black Christmas movies. And right. normally you would only get Lifetime tossing a black person in a movie, a Christmas movie. I'm sorry, I'm a Christmas movie watcher. Lifetime in July, Christmas in July. Like that's my that's my <laughs> joint, the Christmas movies. So I, I, I binge them. So yes. I know that there were so many this year. Uh, that's right. Including... But not limited to Kirk Franklin's The Night Before Christmas, produced by me. I was gonna say, and who produced that? <laughs> me. Yes, with Naturi Naughton and Larea Turner, Kirk Franklin, and Luke James. So, Gail, you talk about how it's the same five black actors. Do you think that that applies today? Well, on um, May. Uh, major projects because you do have there are a lot of projects that have african-american and black people in it but when you have the larger projects, you seem to see the same people that we always call their name you know we see denzel we see Eves, we see for comedy we see kevin so it's like this on the major project we see the same people not saying that black actors aren't working more because we are it's just the larger projects the big budget project you seem to see in the least more uh, the yeah e e l uh, e l i want you to answer that question because you talked about how there are only five black actors per movie do you feel like that applies today don't you feel like there are many more black actors today that we can call their names uh, i think it's getting better i don't think it's, it's it's where it should be i mean it was plenty of black actors when you're still hiring those same black actors back in the day so a lot of times like for instance dave Chappelle has a story when he had the Chappelle show which is a huge show very funny show very successful show but he couldn't even get that show on hbo and the reason he couldn't get that show on hbo is because he went to hbo and they told him why do we need you because we already have chris rock we already have chris rock we already have a show. We already have a black guy. Even though they could have easily had two shows, two successful shows, but that's how they pigeonholed us. So is it getting better today? It's getting better. But I mean, I seen a movie the other day where they had Samuel Jackson and they made him look young just so he could be in the movie. I'm like, is nobody else can be in the what movie? What movie was that? Um, that movie Glass. That movie Glass with um Bruce Willis. But the character had to go back in time and then come back forward. So he had to, they had to smooth him out for him to look younger. But then when Glass was done, how many years ago was that? More than 10 years ago. Glass is more than 10 years old. It is not the last, the very last one. Whichever one was the last one. So when you do that, okay, I'm not even going to, all right. You know, I'm going you know to <laughs> let that slide. I don't believe that we see the same people. I'm going to put it this way. If you see the same people, it's because the comfort is in seeing the same people to spend your dollar. So well, when, people, like the, the movies that they, they put money behind, the movies that they, they push out to everybody and the movies that they put in people's face before Will Smith, you know, did what he did. You know, he was like in almost every movie, every every major big blockbuster movie. It was always Will Smith. That's that's what I'm saying. Go ahead, Twinkie. Will Smith and Denzel, which is I'm not knocking them, but I'm just saying there's so many others. No, we get your point. Go ahead. I'm, I'm saying so. Here's what we're doing. What we're doing is creating. Uh, what we're doing is saying that 
that the other work isn't valid. And there is a lot of valid work out there that is happening, whether it's on streaming or feature films with box office. And a lot of times you want to spend your box office $25, $30, depending on the theater, to see Denzel or Will Smith because you know what you're getting. When it's time for an art house project, when it's time for a film that's an independent, that tells the stories that people say that they want to see, you have to go see those as well. So everything is not going to be a blockbuster. And just you like know, there's every- a great example of that movie, Twinkie. I want you to talk about it a little bit. Was Fruitvale Station an, an independent Fruitvale Station was an independent and that film? Was, you that was Michael B. Jordan. No one knew who Michael B. Jordan was at that time. Not us. Uh, most of us, we knew him because we knew him from either The Guiding Light, we knew him from The Wire as a child. But Michael B. Jordan was doing The Parenthood as the Black guy on the show, just so we're clear. And he wasn't that opportunity. All of a sudden, now everybody knows Michael B. Jordan. He wasn't even the first choice for that role. So he became the first choice after the first choice said no, which I'm thankful for. And then I called Michael B. Jordan personally. Who was the first choice? I'm just curious. Can I say this? The, the you gotta you, we can't take out the PA, the, the promotion and advertising that's yes, put behind the film, right? Correct. There's incredible films that don't get the produ- promotion and advertising. And I know about them. You guys on here know about them. We live in LA, we live in New York where people want to do academy runs. They they show a film for two weeks. All these things are happening, and we get a lot of access. We get free screenings, we get test marketed, but the people in the middle of the country aren't having access to these films. And I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Listen, a black British person playing an American role here and there, that's not an issue. I think that when it becomes our iconic figures, the ones, you know, when, when someone's playing a person we all know, we all treasure, and that's our specific heroes, we have a certain affinity towards that person and we want to see them represented in a certain way, right? And it doesn't mean that they're not gonna, they're gonna hit the mark every single time, but it becomes a bit of a side eye when it seems to be a constant, going back to this Whitney Houston character. This is Whitney Houston, it's Whitney. As much as we want to say, okay, give somebody an opportunity, that's fine, my question would be this, did they actually search? Did they actually go to Newark? Did they actually go anywhere uh, to find this person? Or did they just say, hey, you know what? This fits the image of what Whitney was. You know, remember, Clive Davis created this image of what Whitney should be versus who she was. And that was her, her struggle. Are, are we going to show that in the film? Or is it going to be just let's glorify Whitney and give this polished you know, thing that they did with the Aretha Franklin movie? They did that. And, you know, it kind of fell on, it didn't fall right. Whereas the TV version with Cynthia Revo seemed to fare well. But guess what? That one went more in depth in the storytelling and the crafting. So I don't think that they're actually always looking when it's these big budget films to be as authentic as they need to be. And I, and I think Black America gets the side eye all the time in these situations when it's big money and not the war between us. I agree with Twinkie. It shouldn't be about the the two of us fighting, but who's making the decision? A lot of that money is not us that's powering these projects. Yeah. Um, The last Glass movie was 2018. uh, I'm sorry, 2019. And it was a sequel to Unbreakable, which was in 2000. That's why I'm saying, sir, he was, he had to portray himself younger in the... (laughs) Don't mess with me. I'm saying. I saw Unbreakable. (laughs) I saw Unbreakable. I get it. (laughs) Stephen, go ahead. No, I want to say, um, I had a conversation with CCH Pounder about this subject uh, years ago. And I had asked her, you know, what is it about the British actors who come over to America? And she said... You know, being that they're theater-driven, but the experience that she had come to America was when she was in London, She would, when she was on stage, she would portray ingenues and princesses and all things, and the characters that she played were more character-driven. She came to America, and because of her specific look, there were jobs that were not available to Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today are British actors playing African-American roles in America, in Hollywood, where there are viable 
skilled, experienced, talented black actors who could very well cover the gamut of uh, roles themselves right here in America. So let's talk about the discrimination that African-American actors face in the entertainment industry. And does the booking of black British performers contribute to it? Do we look at that and see racism as well? That's a very odd question, I know. But do we look at that and see racism, E.L.? I don't think we see racism. I think we see Hollywood almost like, you know, white Hollywood easing their way into black people. You know, first of all, it's like it was always Halle Berry. Who's the prettiest black girl? Halle Berry, Halle Berry. They wouldn't really, really mess with like dark skinned like women now, but now things are changing. So I, I see like it's just Hollywood's way of like easing into like we'll we'll accept black people, but they can't be like Jerome Johnson from Compton Black. They got to be almost like a British or they have to have like some type of different type of background, I think. So, well, um, let's say this. Listen, John Singleton uh, has the television show Snowfall and uh, Damson Idris, is that his last name? Yeah. Correct. Um, is, is the star of that show. He is a British actor, uh, amazing actor. And John Singleton, who is born and raised in the hood of Los Angeles, cast mm -hmm. this brother. He cast the man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get. I mean, I'm not knocking that they're not good actors or anything like that. So, I mean, if John Singleton does something like that, I mean, it's a difference because he, like you say, he's from Compton. He kind of knows what he wants, and he he kind of knows what he's looking for. But a lot of times, like what somebody else said, and correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of times we're is, that decision is not up to us, and we're not always the ones in the room making those decisions. And then sometimes they want to just go with what's almost, I don't want to say safe. Listen, to Jamie's point, uh, <laughs> there's the story that John Singleton actually made Damson uh, drop to have, have an Uber drop him in the middle of Compton. Yeah. He had no idea of where he was. So John Singleton did haze him a little bit. Um, but I, I did find it interesting that John Singleton used a British actor because he is very much so about his city, about his culture. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember him coming to see my one-woman uh, show, and he said to me, you've got to take this to Houston. You've got to take to, this to your hometown where your people are, where they know the language, where they know the culture. And so I know that much about him. So he must have really uh, took a liking to this young man's acting when it came to hiring him as the lead role for one of the television shows that the, the first thing I'd seen John Singleton do in a long time, Twinkie. So, I, yeah, I agree. I, I have a comment if you're done, Twinkie. Yeah, I am. Okay, so there, I just, in preparation for this, right, I was catching up on a few things. And there's a documentary uh, called Who We Are on Netflix, right? And this brother introduced the concept, well, didn't introduce it, but he touched on the concept of unconscious bias. And he does a little experiment on there, which I won't go into, but check it out. But there's unconscious bias that this, this American Black brother from Memphis also had to acknowledge that he had, and he demonstrates it in the film. And John Singleton, God rest his soul, I, I knew him, he's a beautiful person. But at the end of the day, he was not uh, exempt to being right. a part of that as well, nor are we. Sometimes we perceive somebody better than us because it's been pushed that way, whether it's, you know, oh. beauty. Yeah, we like sometimes I we might say, oh, I'm, it's a brother from England, you know, and all of that kind of thing is, is going down as well. So we're overcoming our own injuries in regards to that. So, so we've been we are. subconsciously to think that, though, I mean, listen, when you think of a British accent, even versus the accent and the lingo of the hood, you automatically are like, oh, you must be smart. Unless you were born and raised in New York. And then that's not the case. A and B, unless you're because I am from Brooklyn. Me too. So and. <laughs> Is that is the international, in I'm not even going to call it a melting pot because I don't want you to melt and become something else. It is a salad. You stay who you are and you mingle amongst the leaf, the lettuce and the, and the potatoes and the tomatoes. So it's, I, 
I can say this for myself as a casting director and as a producer, I have been doing the work on deprogramming and re-educating myself for decades. So no, I am not, I'm not enthralled by your British accent. To me, it's bringing truth in the performance. And then I will fight for tooth and nail for whoever it is that I need to fight for. And I'll go down fighting. Sometimes I'll pull out of a project. Is that who you want? You sure? Because I don't want my name on it then. So it it becomes, it can become a situation where some people, yes, that may not be doing the work, but the deprogramming work is a constant for me. Steven, talk about the racism of it all. Well, you know, I can say as a six foot one black ball headed man over 200 uh, pounds, I know that there's a lot of, you know, that there's a lot of racism when it comes to me. And, you know, also I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. I have, I speak a specific way it's, and I'm judged on that. You know, I remember when I first moved to Hollywood and I saw Steve Harris on the practice and being, a, you know, being similar to him in size and look, I was told that I could never play an attorney. I was told I could never play a doctor. You know, because uh, you know, because of these things. Now, well, here's the question, Stephen: If you had a British accent, would you have been told that? If I had a British accent, I believe that they would believe that I could, because it's ingrained in us to think that British is posh. Listen. So, would make that excuse for him, whereas they wouldn't make the excuse for me. And I also think, like, when I do get rid of my accent, it's still. It's still my visuals are more play more so than the way I speak. So, and I can use using the Steve Harris story. I had worked on the practice, and Steve Harris was there, and I was told that you know I wasn't able to get on the practice even audition because he was on. He was a surprise guest, and everyone said, "Oh no, you two don't look alike." Until both of us were in the hallway, and we were being confused. Cause, because the way we looked. So there's a lot of racism. But like I said, I think that if I was a British actor, I would have more allowances. Mikey, you agree with that? It depends. I, I, I don't want to take his experience away from him because his experience is his experience. But for those of us, like I said, who do the work, I have been in rooms with Black producers and directors who I've had to fight with. Um, and, you know bring a little bit of that Brooklyn rah-rah heat to remind them, some of them are very well-traveled, to remind them that we are not one thing. And it, it, it has been a challenge. I am not gonna lie, it has been a challenge when it comes to that. But, and, and at times I have lost and at times I've won the argument, but it's important to fight fire with water. And what I choose to do is extinguish it with visuals. You tell me that the that doctors don't look this way and I will find 10 doctors photos that do. You tell me that black women don't do this kind of job or that and I will find photos that do. So I, that's the work that I do though. I can't speak for everyone else. With all due respect, with all due respect, Twinkie, you're an exception, and I would, right. I would challenge to say that that's probably why you have become a director, because you probably get tired of fighting and not being able to get through, because he who controls the purse controls the outcome. True. So at the end of the day, you got, you know, people that, white people, usually, that don't really know us, and instead of asking us hey, I want to portray you in the best possible light. No, they're telling us, no, this is how we, we see you, so this is how you're going to be you seen. Play. And I that's know. how they choose these actors who are safe or just not bringing that heat when it comes to the essence and the spirit of Black America. So that's when we return, um, American filmmaker Ava DuVernay said, I think there's something about the stage because they have that stage preparation. Their work is really steeped in theater. Our system of creating actors is a lot more commercial. There's a depth in the character building that's really wonderful. Uh, so we want to talk about what Ava DuVernay had to say about British actors when we come back on The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. 
Podcast. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today are British actors taking on the roles of African-Americans. Should it be so? Should it be so? Uh, I talked about Ava DuVernay before we left for break. She said, I think there's something about the stage because they have that stage preparation. Their work is really steeped in theater. Our system of creating actors is a lot more commercial. There's depth in the character building that's really wonderful, she says. And so I question that in saying, is she talking about a specific kind of theater, perhaps? You know, um, because there's the theater where where maybe you get a few rehearsals and you just need to know your lines, right? And you do all of your preparation at home alone, or you partner up with people and do it there. Or there's the theater where you have months upon months of rehearsals, right? And you get into your character work during the rehearsals. Um, and I would have to say, you know, that's commercial theater versus Broadway theater. Even though Broadway theater has become quite commercial lately, I have to admit. Yes. Going yes, to a few of those shows uh, this past summer. Um, so what, what do we feel about Ava DuVernay? the great director and executive producer who's done wonderful work. So so re respect, love Ava DuVernay. However, I disagree, However. I disagree in this aspect. As I said before, I've gone and done theater in New York, paid, I mean, uh, in London and started in New York. And not just me, I can name 20, 30 other actors who've done the same. And I think we start defining things once again, based on what is considered great by another source. Because at the end of the day, if you have money to be able to do all these rehearsals and to be able to carry it on to that depth, I think a lot of those directors would do that and do do that versus ones who don't. And to be able to put up something with less and learn along the way, that's another journey that's not less than the journey of the ones with the funds. Hmm. The ones with the funds, Twinkie. I love that. I, we have to be careful about sweeping generalizations in our community. And sometimes we're led to it. But uh, Ava knows. She knows how to work these things better. She's a publicist um, at heart at, at initially. So, and I love and respect her. But however, not a but, however, I don't want to negate anything that it was that I said prior what I'm saying now is there are tons of actors that are working in theater and that have done the theater. And on the other side, there are tons of commercial actors that want it fast. They slough off. But I know many, numerous, who are on Broadway now, those that we have watched from the Ruby D and the Ossie Davises on down to the Judy Paces and the Delroy Lindos, we have numerous that are amazing from theater from the United States of America. Yeah, Monique talks about this goalpost. Every time something happens, there's a new goalpost. There's a new goalpost. When she said, hey, I want an Oscar. How come I'm not getting as much money as the people at the other people at Netflix? And they're like, yeah, you want an Oscar, but... And so there's always a goalpost, it seems, for Black actors. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've, I've suffered that goalpost myself. It's like, hey, you got to be in SAG. I'm in SAG. Hey, you got to do theater. Done theater. Hey, you've got to do a different kind of theater. Done that theater. So what's with the goalpost? I don't know. But how do you feel about this, Stephen? Um, well, you know, I feel that when you're pursuing, when you decide that you want to become an actor, you have to be open to all the things that are needed to for you to make sure that your skill is, you know, that your skills are on point. And if it's doing theater, you know, studying, uh, you know, research and everything, that's what's that's what's important. And I think going back to the original statement that the thing with British actors, the ones that come over here and work, is because when they come here, they are ready for the roles that they book. They came and they did the best job or the people who, the decision makers, felt that they did the best job. That's not negating us African-American actors. It's just that I feel that the best actor usually books their job. We all know that's not true, Stephen. Agree. <laughs> Stephen? Stephen? It's America. All right. <laughs> we all know that's not true. <laughs> Ideal. I mean, that was cute. It was cute. Stephen, <laughs> how can we keep up with your work? 
Um, well, you can find me uh, on Instagram, Stephen.Little. I'm also uh, the representative for an amazing new bourbon called Poppy's Bourbon. All right. About the bourbon. All about the bourbon. E.L., talk about your podcast, The Corner Store. Yes, I got a podcast called... I pick up some of that bourbon at The Corner Store? <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> you ever see The Corner Store and those guys hanging out talking under the no loitering sign? Well, that's that type of podcast where we talk about any and everything and we just shoot the breeze. Also, E.L. Smith Comedy on Instagram. You can check me out. Uh, tour dates, where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in San Diego and some other places. So check it out, E.L. Smith Comedy. Thank you so much. Jamie, breathe. <gasps> ah, yes, breathe is my narrative short film contribution about Eric Garner starring Stephen Hill of Magnum P.I. Uh, that should be finished at the end of January and on the festival scene next year. And the film I wrote, African-American, uh, produced by Ruth Carter and Sidney Hall. Uh, we're working on that. Um, and we'll see what happens. I love it. I love it. Uh, Twinkie, tell us about the night before Christmas. You and Kirk Franklin making money Kirk moves. Kirk Franklin, yeah, we're making money moves. We did the night before Christmas, and that aired on December 10th, and it will be airing through the rest of this year. At the top of the year, I'm going to be at Sundance. I have two films in that in Sundance Film Festival. One is called Young Wild Free, directed by Tembi Banks, and the other is called To Live and Die and Live, directed by Kasim Basir. And uh, I'm producing and continuing to produce. I got about three or four more projects coming, so be on the lookout. I'm on Instagram as I am Twinkie Bird. In one word, how can we make films better? In one word, I'll give you a little time here. One word, how can we make films better? E.L. The best person gets the job, but you look at everyone. You give everyone an equal shot. And one, one. Oh, no, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Steven, oh. one word. Fairness. Okay, same as E.L. Jamie? I'll use a Steve Harvey word. Watch them. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's good. Tracy, Twinkie. Black. All right, now, that's the business. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23. New on Curiosity Stream, meet the man who dove deep and changed modern nautical engineering and warfare forever on John Philip Holland, inventor of the submarine. And in 200 AD before modern medicine, a Chinese doctor performed life-saving surgeries. How'd he do it? And how has surgery evolved since? It's the new series, The Past, Present, and Future. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. And for a limited time, get 40% off our annual plan. That's just a dollar a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.